What is good, everybody? Welcome to the original Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. It is Thursday, so you know who's here. The human wet blanket, Levin Black. Hi, Levin. It's cold out. You need a blanket. It's true. God knows I'm always cold. I got the hoodie on and I got the heater going in the room. You got like no fat to keep you warm. It's true. It's true. Hey, I am what I am. I ain't mad about it. Uh, We got a lot to do on today's show. Brandon and I, you've got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. I'm in a cranky mood about that. I want to talk about some of the individual offensive performances we've seen this year. I got some defenses numbers for you. I am fully loaded. And of course, we got to talk about Kyle Shanahan's quarterback decision. I'm going to get to all of that. Let's start with Kyle Shanahan's big decision. Came to the podium yesterday. It was the first question he answered. I'm not going to read that comment. (laughs) Embrace the Woody. That's what we start with. The important stuff. Come on now. Um. Shanahan gets to the podium. He says, we're not going to start Brock Purdy. Okay, you know, that is what it is. But later in the press conference, he said something that really made me stop and think because it didn't seem to jive with what he said about Brock Purdy. So here's Kyle Shanahan when he was asked about Trent Williams. Good for 35-year-old left tackle set two, two bye weeks. Um, no, I don't think it's good for anybody to take two weeks off. So, um, not at all. We should see how Trent was when he came back after a month off or three weeks. It's, it's not good, but we'll see how the game goes and everything. But his mindset this week has got to be that he's getting ready to play. Okay. So how do I justify the, how do I jive these two things, Levin? It's not good for anybody to get two weeks off, but Kyle wants to guarantee that Brock Purdy gets two weeks off. Make it make sense. They don't jive, but there's a reason for it. He has no interest in going into the playoffs without his starting quarterback. So he's not willing to risk it. He's willing to risk the left tackle and pretty much anybody else that isn't banged up. And apparently uh, his injury, Trent Williams injury from a couple of weeks ago was nothing because if he was banged up, he wouldn't be playing, but It's basically, I'm not risking my quarterback and anybody else that's banged up that's a starter will be sitting. I just, it's not good for anybody to get two weeks off and he specifically named Trent. Oh, Trent was real bad the last time he was off. Yet your 24-year-old quarterback, who's certainly less experienced than Trent Williams, he's going to get two weeks off. Again, I'm not saying Kyle's making a mistake, to be clear. I'm just saying those two things didn't make sense to me, and so I was wondering if it stuck out to you as well or if you think that it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. No, There's no way to make this logical. Oh, I'm going to sit some people, but not others. No, the only reason why you're sitting somebody is because you're unwilling to lose them, and that's Christian McCaffrey because he's a little bit banged up, But even Christian McCaffrey said he probably would have finished that game if it wasn't for the game situation of not needing him. And you're not going to risk your quarterback. That's all there is to it. Like, yes, is he double speaking? Absolutely. But is he what he doing also makes sense? Yes. When you look at the actual full picture. Do you think it's surprising that he would be willing to roll the dice with Trent Williams, but unwilling to roll the dice with Brock Purdy? Because that, I mean, we all know how important Trent is to the offensive line. Does it shock you? Shocking, no. Am I a little bit surprised? Yes. I would say it probably has a lot to do with the individual. 
Trent Williams probably says, don't give me two weeks off. Play me a quarter or a half. You know, you heard him say, we'll see how it goes. So I think it, it, if the game is out of hand or anything, he, he's going to pull Trent Williams. Or he probably has a plan to pull him at halftime. Unless there's, say, like a Colton McKivitz injury where he's forced to then keep playing. Something along those lines. I, I don't think he plans to play him the whole game. Well, and then the other thing is Jalen Moore is still in the concussion protocol. If Jalen Moore gets cleared and is fully healthy, does Kyle say, forget it, we're not playing? Like, that is a factor, too. And I feel like Kyle has really gone out of his way to try and explain that to people. How, like, one, it's mathematically impossible to rest everybody. You just you cannot do it mathematically. And two, the injuries play into this. Who's banged up? Are the backups banged up? All that goes into the stew. I'm not, you know, again... I'm not saying I'm worried. I'm just saying I noticed the, the difference in those two things. That's all I'm saying. I'm not criticizing Kyle for resting Brock. I'm not. Like, I'm sure he sat Brock down and talked about it. And, you know, they had those conversations. I'm All I'm saying is I just noticed those two things didn't make sense to me. That is it. So don't get, don't get on me in the chat, people. It's making a mountain out of a molehill. You know what I mean? Or an anthill, whatever you want to call it. To me, it, it's... Yes, is he being hypocritical or not making logical sense technically because he's contradicting himself? Absolutely, but it, like I said, it also makes sense. So I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's honestly a whole lot of anything. It's not really a topic. It's what every team has to do. I guarantee Sean McVay has said the same thing because they're resting a bunch of people, Yes, but then they can't rest everybody. So he's going to have to play some, and his answer to that is, well, I don't think they should have you know, the entire week off or, you know, they don't have two weeks, but well, he's going to have one. Yeah. They have to play. Right. So they're in a little different situation because they don't have two weeks off. Uh, I, somebody weighed in on that. Steve Young weighed in on this question um, on KMBR. I have that audio. I'm going to play it for you in a second, but James Welsh did throw us a donation here. So I don't want to make him wait any longer. James says, who would you rather have Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett? Um, off the top of my head, I think that Miles Garrett is a better pass rusher, but I think that Bosa is better against the run. Although, to be fair, I don't know the Miles Garrett rush defense statistics. So that's just me going off of perception, which could be wildly wrong. To me, if you're talking edge rushers, it's Miles Garrett one and then everybody else. After Miles Garrett, there's a couple people you can debate Bosa, TJ Watt being at the top of the list. But I do think Miles Garrett is in a league of his own. He is the complete player. He has everything. He's more of a freak. He can get the crazy fast sacks and the cleanup sacks. And I think that's why he's above Bosa in in this scenario. Bosa, he's somebody that doesn't have the speed that Miles Garrett does. Full White's YouTube channel member, shout out to you, Full White, says, Rob, big dog, it's not like Purdy isn't practicing, will be okay. Yes, I agree. And Frank says, hey, Stats, this is why you get flack from Niners fans. Team is the number one seed. Purdy is a Pro Bowl starter, and you're doing videos focusing on this negative crap. Again, I'm not saying Kyle's making a mistake. I was just asking the question, and I think that it was a legitimate question to ask when you also take a listen to Steve Young, Frank, who is not just a former 49ers quarterback, not just a multiple MVP, but a Hall of Famer. Here's what Steve Young said about resting your quarterback for this long on KMBR. Spoiler alert, he doesn't love it. From a quarterback spot, it's a hard restart. It takes a minute. It always said, it takes a ha- every game you miss, it takes a half to kind of get fully back up to speed. I would want to go and, you know, kind of 
dress up, ready to go, go through routine, be under fire, don't want to embarrass yourself, go out there, you know, all that pressure that you get used to. And it, I, in some ways, the, the time off is great and the time off is not great. And I think anyone who thinks it's all, it's all great, it's not all great. It's great, but it's not all great. And so you got to watch out for the parts that I just described because you do not want to get into a you know divisional game against a team that has potential to throw some darts around the Eagles or the Cowboys and then start slow. Big plays, big game, and before you know it, it's over. You're like, well, wait a second. No, we're the number one seed, bro. What are you doing? You're supposed to just lay down. And it just doesn't happen. So I, I, there is fear. There should be a little fear in taking a couple weeks off. What's your reaction to that? It's what I've talked about the last three to four weeks. I would prefer Kyle Shanahan treated this like a middle preseason game. Mm-hmm. Play your starters for a quarter. After that, get the most important ones out. And maybe the fourth quarter is a whole bunch of scrubs, right? That's how I would prefer it to be played. Give everybody a quarter so that everybody went through the motions as he's talking about, went through the pregame aspect, went through actually having to play the game and pick out plays and react to what the defense is doing so that there's not rust in two weeks. That's my preference. I would be willing to take the little bit of injury risk with a Brock Purdy, for instance. Christian McCaffrey, I think, is a little different. I think running backs can pick it up. It doesn't matter how long they've been off, in my opinion. I don't think it's nearly the same situation, and he's actually a little banged up. But for the quarterback perspective and positions where you need a little bit more of that battle, uh, like a pass rusher, for instance, I would play Bosa a quarter in this game. Give them that pregame ritual and routine so that it's only one week off from that. I completely agree with you, and honestly, like, I could – I think there's justification on all sides of this issue. Again, I'm not bashing Kyle Shanahan for this. I'm not. I'm deferring to his judgment. I think you could see it from all sides. Astro makes a good point. Says Lamar Jackson is resting too. It's not that big a deal. And they also have the bye. What other teams do doesn't matter. If you look at the history, teams that actually take off the last week of the season and then have a bye start slow. You can go back. Like I said, I grew up with it every year with the Colts doing it. So I'm pretty familiar. It's something that I've mentally watched for every single year in the playoffs. That's been something that I've purposely watched for. So I'm very aware that like, I would say a majority, it's not every team, don't get me wrong, but a majority of the teams that get a bye week, which it used to be two. So it used to be more prevalent and rested in the final game of the season came out and were slow in the first quarter. Some of them got going in the second quarter and they ended up winning. Some of them took until the second half and they ended up making a comeback. Some of them never got going at all. Uh, As M. Patel points out, Steve Young in that answer, I cut it out because it was a very long answer, but he remembers 1987 when they got smacked down at home by the Minnesota Vikings. You know, that could have, I'm sure that influenced Steve's answer as well. It, you could justify anything because I could say, well, does it really help Brock to get in there for a quarter and hand off a bunch of times and throw some screens? Like, no, I I see all sides of it. I was just pointing out that Kyle's answer didn't make sense. And then I heard the Steve Young sound. So I was like, you know what? I think this is worth talking about on the show and bring it up. That's, you know, I don't want to belabor the point anymore. Corey Matthews, thank you very much for the super chat. He says stats. The 49ers have scored exactly 17 points on offense in every loss. The team with the league MVP has won the Super Bowl twice since 1999. One seeds haven't met in the Super Bowl since 17. I thought the Eagles and Chiefs were one seeds last year. 
Yeah, they were. So you're wrong about the last point, uh, Corey, but I see your point. The MVP thing is real. I don't think Brock is anywhere close to winning the MVP. I think he lost it on Christmas against Baltimore, which whatever, you know, it's fine. Doesn't matter. Christian McCaffrey will finish above him in MVP voting. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think Christian is going to be the offensive player of the year, by the way. Just saying. Should be. Uh, James Welsh says, I don't know if I'd rest Lamar with his playoff history. That's fair. Fortunately, I don't have to worry about the Ravens again until the Super Bowl. So good luck, Baltimore. Do whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, hopefully we never see you again. Now, let's get to the Pro Bowl. The Raw. Before we change, oh, okay. I got to address this. Somebody's oh. asking, Nick Ellert's asking if I've ever had tamales before because they watched you. Mm-hmm. You said you've never had one. Correct. So what the f- is going on in your life? How sheltered of a life do you have that you have not had tamales? Get the heck out of your basement. First of all, I live in Connecticut, okay? It doesn't matter. I grew up in Indiana. There's not a lot of good tamales in my area. I'll just point. Yeah, I out. guarantee you there are good tamales in your area. Yeah, ask a Hispanic person that. I bet they would have an entirely. I guarantee you, there's some Mexican housewife that makes tamales out of her home. Those are always the best ones, at least in this area. California might be different. California well, is a different game. A stranger. What am I supposed to knock? Yes, out? you can. They sell them online. You will see them. I've done it many times before, but there are authentic good mexican restaurants if you bother to look i found them in indiana granted my dad was like the soccer guy of town he ran every soccer league so he got to know the mexicans quite well so uh some of them had their own restaurants and invited us over and all that stuff so i've grown up a lot on mexican food i have tamales in my fridge right now i always have tamales Okay, good for you. I'm sorry. I haven't had one yet. Like, I didn't think this was a Live big... a little. Jeez. I'm also not the biggest uh, Mexican food fan. That's just not, you know, I prefer Italian. I prefer. You know, maybe you would get a little skin on your bones if you ate some more Mexican. I eat lots of stuff. All right. Trust me. The quantity of food I eat is what, not. Berries and nuts or what? No, I eat steak and pasta. If it were. You don't eat pie. No, I don't eat pie, but there's other stuff that you could eat. God. Anyway. Can I get back? You know what you need to do? You need to start a podcast with Zachary Greer, and it's a food podcast because the two of you. Two of us, what? He has terrible food takes, and you have not eaten anything. You don't know what I've eaten. Nick Eller, YouTube channel member. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for throwing that grenade in the chat. (laughs) Uh, If you want to become a YouTube channel member, please do. It's less than $3 a month to get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. And if you want to pay $4 a month, you get early access to 49ers and 5 the second it is done. Uh, So that would be $4 a month. But please and thank you. Support the channel. Now, can I get to the Pro Bowl discussion, please? Sure. I guess we'll talk about the 49ers. The Niners had nine Pro Bowlers, congratulations. That leads the National Football League. If you're watching on the stream right now, I'm attempting to throw them up, but for some reason, it's taking an exceptionally long time. There we go. Nine Pro Bowlers, Brock Purdy, Trent Williams, George Kittle, CMC, Juice, Fred Warner, Mooney Ward, Nick Bosa, and Javon Hargrave are the nine Pro Bowlers for the Niners. It's awesome, but there's one name on there that I don't see, Levin, and it's ticking me off. Do you know who it is? I would assume Brandon Ayuk. A thousand percent Brandon Ayuk. How Puka Nakua made the Pro Bowl over Brandon Ayuk, I will never understand. I don't get it. First of all, Puka Nakua's played in one more game than Brandon Ayuk. Second of all, he's got a 
billion more targets than Brandon Ayuk. No receiver in the league, pound for pound, has been as productive as Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk has 72 catches for over 1,300 yards and is averaging 18 yards per catch. Puka Nakua has 101 catches for 1,445 yards and five touchdowns. How did he make it over Ayuk? All right, so first off, I think wide receiver is the hardest spot because there are so many that put up numbers in today's game. So many. Like, it's really hard to make a Pro Bowl and especially an All-Pro as a wide receiver. Do I have a problem with him not making it? I think he was deserving. I don't really have a huge issue with him not making it. I would put him in, but I don't think that it's a huge grievance that he wasn't in. But I will give you some data to back back you up, all right? I don't know if you saw these, but Brandon Ayuk has 1,317 yards this season, right? He only has 101 targets. That is the most receiving yards of any wide receiver since targets were tracked in 1992 with less than 110 targets on a season. Number one, but it gets better. He is averaging 13 yards per target. Of the wide receivers that have 70-plus catches in a season since 1992, because it's targets once again stat, he is number one, but it gets better. He is 1.2 yards better than second place. The difference between that second place and 25th place is 1.2. So the gap between Ayuk and second is the same as second to 25th. Like he obliterates the competition. And that's all wide receivers that have at least 70 catches in a season starting in 1992, which you might think isn't that many. I looked it up. There have been 886 people that have gotten 70 catches in a season since 1992. And Ayuk is not just number one, but he's obliterating the competition in yards per target. You're muted, bud. Come on now, let's be professional, Rob. (laughs) How did he not make the Pro Bowl? Especially for... Those are numbers people don't look up. The Pro Bowl is about looking at the raw stats. Oh, how many receptions and yards do you have? I vote for you. It's a simple thing. It's... The casual fan decides the Pro Bowl. And Brandon Ike was the leading wide receiver in the fan voting because the 49ers fans showed up. There were 15 49ers that led their position in the fan voting. Now, the fan voting is only a third of the total criteria that they use. But, I mean, the faithful showed up. They voted for for everybody. They had over a million votes for the Pro Bowl. They're the only team whose fans had a million votes. So, shout out to everybody. And shout out to Gray Fox 198 by the way. Thank you very much. Hi, Robin Levin. I'm a bit late, but I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I just want to show my support to the Gold Standard Network and ask a question. Sorry if it gets you out of the topic for a bit. If Brock played in the 2019 Super Bowl, by how much do we beat the Chiefs? Keep up the great work. There's no doubt in my mind if Brock Purdy played in 2019, the 49ers win that Super Bowl. No doubt in my mind, because there's no way the 49ers can't complete one pass on the last two drives and get one first down with Brock Purdy. No doubt in my mind, they have a ring if 13 is the quarterback instead of 10. Uh, Absolutely. That team was this close to winning and should have won it. One, if the refs call a hold, they win it. Two. If Jimmy Garoppolo can complete a deep pass, they win it. If you had Brock Purdy, that that team is likely in the conversation as one of the best. If you take the start of 2019, you put Brock Purdy as the quarterback that we saw this season on that team, 
they might be in the conversation for best teams ever because they won 13 games with Brock Purdy. They probably win 14 or 15 and they win that Super Bowl. <sighs> if wishes, uh, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? But at least we're here now. We're here. Brock is here. And thank you again, Gray Fox. We really appreciate that. That's incredibly generous of you. Um, Brock is here. They're the number one seed. And I want to get to this comment, too, from Benjamin Bear, who says, this Pro Bowl stuff doesn't matter. None of these guys should be playing in the Pro Bowl game anyway, which is 100% true. And there is no Pro Bowl game now. It's it's skills competitions and tugs of war right. and things of that sort. Uh, shout out you, Juan Manuel Liera Blanco. Shout out to you, new YouTube channel member. We appreciate that. Again, please become a YouTube channel. It's less than $3 a month. Astro says 91% of IU's 72 receptions have resulted in a first down or a touchdown, which is just an incredible number. 72% of IU's yards have come before Yak. So just through the air. Like he's not catching a two-yard pass and running. He's going deep down the field and catching the ball. And that is something that no other 49ers wide receiver can say. Right. He's just been ridiculous. If he was in another offense, even an offense that passed in the top 10, you know, just 10th in attempts, mm -hmm. he would have 100 receptions. He would be the one that's chasing the yards record. You know, he'd be way up there and, and he would be having an all time great season. The offense limits Brandon Ayuk. But even with that, he had an historic season, as I pointed out earlier with, with the statistics. It, it's ridiculous. He is legitimately a number one wide receiver in this league and i would say a top five wide receiver especially when you take in the full picture because i would argue he, he very well might be the best blocking wide receiver in the league because there are so many runs this year where you've seen christian mccaffrey get out in space and who's leading the way brandon Ayuk. like you don't see debo leading the way on too many of those he is a difference maker as a blocker and then he also happens to be one of the hardest people to cover in the entire league. Remember Debo's incredible year in 2021, and you pointed out that he reached 1,400 yards on fewer than 80 catches, and that's a yep. rare thing in the NFL. Well, I mean, IU could do the same thing this week. He's got to get, you know. He's averaging more yards per reception by 0.1 yards. I went and looked at that this week. Yeah, Debo was at 18.2 that year. That also led the league, by the way. Um, so we'll see if IU can get there. But even if he can't, it's still an incredible, ridiculously good season. And it just ticks me off that he didn't make the Pro Bowl. I know that. Sorry, they've done it in different ways. Debo had his because he had so many slants that he then took 70-plus yards. What do you have? I think I think he had four touchdowns of 50-plus yards in that season, <laughs> right? And yet two of them were over 70. Ayuk's not. Ayuk's longest reception this year is what, like 44 yards? It's no. that every single one of his receptions is 15 to 30 yards at the point of the reception. Don't forget, he had the 76-yarder, I think, against oh, he did that one, didn't he? Yep. But I see, that one. Yeah, I understand what, what your point is there. And it leads me into just a, a larger thought about the historic offense that we have seen this year. I mean, take your pick. You want to go to Kittle? Okay. Kittle, most receiving yards by a tight end. 2.5 yards per route run. That's best among all tight ends. He averages 7.4 yards after the catch. That's first among all tight ends. 11.3 yards per target. No other tight end is within three yards of that. He is absolutely destroying the tight end market. Like he's back to being the best tight end in the league, which is honestly 
something that I didn't think we were going to get to say again, but he's there right now. No doubt. It makes you wonder one thing. Who was Kittle closest to in his time with the 49ers? I would say Jimmy. That's amazing because Jimmy's the only quarterback the 49ers have had that didn't throw the ball to Kittle enough. Right. When he set that record, it was largely C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins that he set the record with back in, what was that, 2018? When Jimmy Garoppolo started, he didn't throw to Kittle. Now, I will say, I think part of that was Jimmy was not good at diagnosing blitzes and things like that, so Kittle was held in to block more because Kyle Shanahan was scared because what do we know about Jimmy? If there's any threat of pressure, he gets happy feet. So I think that that's part of why he's been able to have a bigger season is that Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy to diagnose what's happening fast enough to get the ball out. So he doesn't have to hold an extra blocker back like Kittle. Gabe Garoni says, just imagine a 20-year-old Brock Purdy winning the Super Bowl. Too young to be a manager, he would have called a junior shift lead. And Wisnowski got snubbed, too. I think uh, Mitch is a, an alternate, which Ayuk yeah. is an alternate, too. I should have mentioned that. Um, but back to the to the Kittle thing. He's been absolutely phenomenal. You know, everyone likes to say Brock Purdy benefits from the people around him. Well, George Kittle has absolutely benefited from Brock Purdy. Brandon Ayuk has absolutely benefited from Brock Purdy. That goes both ways. And I thought Vish had a good point. Yes, he still works for us. Uh, he's just been in India, but he'll be back uh, on Monday, which is awesome. But Vish's point was like, everybody benefits from everybody in this offense. McCaffrey benefits from all those dudes. All those dudes benefit from McCaffrey. It's not just one guy in a vacuum that benefits and nobody else does. The collection of this group has an effect on each other. And I think that's why they're greater than the sum of their parts. The only person you can make an argument for that doesn't benefit is Debo because with Brock Purdy, other things are possible in the passing game. We have not had at any point the time where it's all right, Debo do something special because we got nothing else going for us. <laughs> right. So Brock Purdy is kind of taken away that desperation Debo game. Right. So that's why Debo, like the last couple of games, he hasn't done much. Debo is there when we need him. I think when a defense keeps their safeties back, all right, now we're going to get the Debo game because it's going to be more underneath because the defense is concentrating on taking away Ayuk. And that's what we've been talking about. You got to pick your poison in this passing game. Take away Ayuk by having your safeties back, and then Debo will kill you, or cheap up to try to stop the run and stop the underneath to Debo, and Ayuk's going to beat you behind you. Or Kittle's going to leak out down the sideline. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. One more individual stat that I noticed that I want to mention before we move on to maybe some defensive stuff. Brock Purdy is 25th in the league in sacks taken. Brock has been sacked 28 times this year. I think he's done an incredible job of avoiding sacks. I think other quarterbacks would have been sacked a lot more behind this offensive line. But here's the sneaky thing about Brock. He's been sacked 28 times. He's lost 153 yards on those sacks. That's 80th in the league. So even when he gets sacked, he doesn't lose a ton of yards. So maybe before where a sack would have been like a drive ender, if Brock gets sacked, it doesn't necessarily kill the drive because he's not losing eight, nine, 10 yards on sacks. Usually he's able to move around enough to where maybe you lose, you know, two, three, five yards. And that does make a difference. I don't mean to poo-poo on this, but He's 80th in what? Total yards lost in sacks? Yes. There's no way. 
Absolutely no way. There's no way there's 79 quarterbacks that have been lost more yards in a sack than Brock Purdy. Why not? You know how many that would be? That's more than two per team. There's no way there are two quarterbacks per team. Let's say even 15 sacks, barely over half of what Brock Purdy had. There's no way there's been two per team that have been sacked 15 times. I'm looking at it right now on ESPN.com. Pull it up. I want to see this because that that would be jaw-dropping. Look, there's Brock Purdy, 80. And scroll up so I can see the title of the stat. I'm searching by SYL, sack yardage lost. That is flabbergasted. Like, that that shocks me. Hold on. Hold on. Say, you were right, Rob. I was wrong. Hold on. Where's this ranking at? You got 109 ranking at the start? It goes backwards. So Brock is 80th. And the quarterback that has lost the fewest yards on sacks. Uh, okay, well, they have some non-quarterbacks on this list. This is odd. Yeah, it's not a correct stat. It's There's no way there's been that many. They're all quarterbacks until it gets down to Paris Campbell. Like, I don't know why he did. They Maybe he attempted to throw a pass and got sacked. I don't know. I mean, all these guys, in theory, could have attempted passes. I mean, the 49ers as a team are 30th in the league for sack yards lost, but there's no way there's that, like, actually, I can do this simply. So he uh, he has how many individually? Because this is 49ers team that I'm looking at. 153. 153. So if you, you would have to have 306 yards as a team to have two quarterbacks reach as many as Brock Purdy because you'd have to split it in half. That's 306 yards. You know how many teams that have 306 yards or more in sack yards? Eight. So there's no way that statistic is correct. I think it is correct. I think It is not correct, and I will prove you wrong when I get a chance. I don't think you will. Bryce Young has lost 451 yards on sacks this year. 451. Well, yeah, he sucks. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Um, I think I'm right. I think you're wrong. And uh, although Antonio says, Rob, check pro football reference. It shows he's 30th. That's what I'm doing right now. Yep, he's 30th on Pro Football Reference. Okay, but why is Pro Football Reference worth more than ESPN.com? Because ESPN.com has running backs in their list. You've already shown, and it's literally statistically not possible. As I said, there are eight teams with enough yards lost in a sack to have two quarterbacks, and you need two and a half quarterbacks per team to make that stat correct. I disagree. Anybody that can throw a pass can get sacked, so that's why they could be on the By 153 yards? Look, I don't know how much these other quarterbacks are losing. Hell, Come on now. 451, Sam Howell lost 422 yards by himself. If you're going to have the nickname stats, you got to at least be logical with statistics. Oh. Anybody could throw a pass. Okay, it would take 10 passes of losing 16 yards per pass to get past Brock Purdy. What are you talking about? To get he's, past 153 sack yards. He's, Come on, he's 80th. Because of all the other people on the list. But if you want to list that's not accurate. I think the list is accurate. It's not accurate. I think common sense would tell you there's not 79 quarterbacks that have been sacked for more than 153 yards. Why not? You know how many quarterbacks ever look at statistics every each year? It's not a massive amount of yards. It's not just quarterbacks, and there have been I think it was 68 quarterbacks that have played this year. Plus the non-quarterbacks that maybe have thrown passes and gotten hit. I they think would have to, 
You can't use non-quarterbacks. They would yes, have to do it so many times. It doesn't. No, you can't. Well, what what non-quarterback out there has 15 pass attempts to where they would be passing enough to have enough negative sack yards to get past 153 yards? Not, Nobody has passed enough. 153 yards. They're ahead of Brock. They're lower on the list. They're they're 51st, 52nd, 53rd. They don't have as many sack yards. You see what I'm saying? You don't see what I'm oh, saying. You got it. So you're flipping it the other. So you're saying there's 79 people that have been sacked at least once that have lost more sack yardage. No, lost less sack yardage. That's your list. You have your list backwards. That's why you have sacks and he's 80th in turn. There are 79 people that have been sacked at least once. Thus, they have a statistic of sack yards that have lost less yards than him. You got it backwards. There are 29 quarterbacks that have been sacked and have more yardage lost. Both websites are correct. You're misusing the statistic. You understand what I'm saying? No. <laughs> Brock Purdy, every single person that's been sacked at least once will show up on the list that you have. Right. There are 79 quarterbacks that have been sacked at least once and have less sack yards than him. Everybody above him on your list has more sack yards. Correct. So you got to count how many people are above him, not below him. And your ranking order is backwards because it goes one at the bottom and works its way up. So you have 80, he's 80th and 109. I think in that time that you showed us the list was Bryce young. Right. So that would mean there are 29 people worse than him. Exactly the same as pro football reference. Okay. So I have it flipped around is what you're saying. Yes. All right. I apologize for that. My point is he doesn't lose a lot of yards on sacks. Can we agree on that? Yes. I think your main point was correct. The statistic was just way off. There was no way there were two and a half quarterbacks per team with more sack yards. Well, it wouldn't have to be quarterback. It would be anyway. You know what I mean? There's no way there's two and a half people per team out there with more sack yards than him. All right. Brock doesn't but, lose a lot of yards when he gets But sacked. he does, because of his elusiveness, one, he, he's not somebody that scrambles way backwards. Like like the safety of Lamar Jackson. He's never going to have a safety like that. Where Lamar Jackson against the 49ers got the ball, there was pressure right away, and he said, oh, crap, and ran 10 yards backwards into the end zone. Well, and the ref also fell down. I, honestly, I think if the ref doesn't... You know what I mean. He ran 10 yards straight backwards. Right. Brock we- has never done that. He might run a little bit backwards when he does his little spin move to where if he does a spin move and gets caught he might have a sack of negative 10 yards at some point but a vast majority of the time he's scrambled enough to get up close to the line of scrimmage your point overall is correct he does limit massive drive ending sacks he's not going to have that negative 10 yards where now you're faced with a, a second and 20 or a third and 20 and i think that honestly matters like a lot because we've seen versions of this offense where one negative play can just completely shut it down and so look you're not always going to be able to avoid that in the playoffs there's penalties there's whatever the case may be so just the fact that he can overcome or this offense can overcome is uh is obviously encouraging gabe says rob's going to hate rewatching this 109 minus 80 equals 29 thank you gabe thanks for the math appreciate it um you need a new nickname rob I hate to say it, but you need a new nickname. No, the nickname is not, doesn't have anything to do with my 
love of statistics. It has to do with that being my first job at ESPN was handing stats to other people. So just give it up and make it Rob Woody Guerrera and be done with it. Yeah, that is never going to happen. <laughs> I, I know, you know, we're not talking a lot about the Rams game, but like it's a preseason game. Like I it doesn't matter. The Rams are not playing Matt Stafford. They're not playing uh, Cooper Cup. They're not playing Kyron Williams. They're not playing Aaron Donald. So, you know, I can talk about it if you want, but I feel like there are bigger picture stuff here. Like this is an opportunity to sort of take a breath and just acknowledge the incredible season that the 49ers have had and are having. I looked it up, Levin, the defense this year. Like, I don't care about whatever happens in this game because whatever. They're seventh in the league in yards allowed, 307 yards per game. In 2022, they were first in the league in yards allowed. They gave up 300 yards per game. So for all the hand-wringing and criticism of Steve Wilkes, this defense is seven yards per game worse. Are you sure on those statistics? Yeah. You got to put them up on the screen. I, I don't trust you. That. <laughs> I, look, I think this this team has done a good job of putting teams away. And so teams have had to abandon their offense that might have had some traction, that it might have found some success. I think it, it's one of those things, yeah, if you look at the statistics, they're seven yards worse. But if you watched every game as we have, you can tell there's a little bit of a difference here. And there are certain times where this defense has been off and the other team's been able to move the ball at will. And that's what scares you. It's not that they're necessarily as bad throughout the whole game. It's that if the other team finds the right recipe, they can move the ball at will. And this team has no uh, answer for that. M. Patel says, how about points? It was expected to regress from number one. That's something you and I talked about, how this defense has been so good for so long, and that's very hard to do in the NFL. In 2022, they gave up 16.3 points per game. That was best in the league. This year, they gave up 17.3 points per game, second best in the league, one point worse per game. Now, again, they, they have another game left. I just want to point that out, but I'm trying to do it now because who cares what they do in this meaningless game when half the starters are going to be on the bench anyway. But, I mean, technically, yes, they did regress, but damn, that's pretty good. Right. But even look at, like, last week. You can come out of that game and say, hey, they gave up 10 points. What are you complaining about? Or you can look at this commander's team lost a whole bunch of people. The pass rush didn't get home, despite being a terrible pass blocking team to begin with and being down multiple starters. And in that first half, they did find success. They were moving that ball. And that's why it was close at half. So you have two ways of looking at it. You played a terrible opponent. You couldn't get home in the sack. So that's really bad because if you don't get to these upper echelon quarterbacks you're in for a world of hurt and two even the commanders found some level of success in the first half now did they shut it down in the second half absolutely and that's encouraging but as we said in the instant reacts if they start a game playing defense like they did against the commanders in the playoffs they might dig too big of a hole to come back from so mooney ward said after the game that they started off in man coverage and Washington was having success. They scored on two of their first three drives in the first half. And then Mooney said that Steve Wilkes switched it up to zone in the second half, but he made it look like man coverage. And in the second half of that game, Washington did nothing offensively. So credit to Steve Wilkes for making the adjustment. 
Uh, I saw Kyle Posey for Niners Nation did an awesome article about Mooney Ward and some of the defense this year. The Niners have been in zone 67% of the time, which is the eighth most in the NFL. Does that shock you? What's your reaction to that? No, that doesn't shock me at all because zone is where I think our linebackers are best. That allows them to kind of have free will and use that speed to cover up gaps. And I also think our safeties play better in zone. Uh, Tashawn Gibson had a very underrated season. He gave up pretty much nothing all year because of that zone. He, I think he's much better in that. If you made him come down and match up one-on-one with somebody, I think he struggles. He doesn't have that ability. But I think his ability to recognize things and get there in time is where he is skilled at. And that's what a zone does for him. And then... I think zone helps you limit weak parts of your of your defense. Right. If you got a weak corner, they can be uh, limited. Their damage can be limited by playing a zone. And I think that's what you do with an Isaiah Oliver. That's what you do when Lenore was struggling at different times of this season. You go to that zone, you're able to limit the damage. I completely agree. I think we'll see a bunch of zone in the playoffs as well. Um, Wilkes has been getting it done, man. He took a lot of criticism. That short clip of him in August where I took of him criticizing his defense has like 90,000 views because people thought it was relevant during the year. There was a lot of hate for Steve Wilkes. I think it's worth pointing out like, hey, second fewest points per game, 17.3, which is absolutely incredible. They've given up 218.3 pass yards per game, which is an improvement over 2022. He deserves credit for that as well. Um, it's been pretty damn good this year from Steve yeah. Will. I'm, I'm not saying the defense has been bad. They've yeah. been good overall. It's just, I feel like there's, there's been times where I don't feel good about the defense that I haven't felt in other years because of, all right, this other, this offense is moving the ball and they absolutely shouldn't be. And I think, I think the pass rush has not been on the same level this year, despite getting Chase Young, getting Randy Gregory. Like the, the pass rush has just not been the same this year. They have not gotten home nearly enough. They can get pressures all they want. If they're not getting home, a good quarterback's going to pick you apart. And we've seen that at different times this year. Yeah, I agree. They're still kind of searching for that answer on the other side of Nick Bosa. They're, they've been looking. They're not quite there. I thought maybe they would be there with Chase Young, but I feel like he kind of came out of the gates hot and is sort of leveled yeah. off a little bit two and a half sacks in what seven games yeah I'm, I'm not gonna get it done i that, wouldn't mind re-signing him if he's willing to sign for cheaper but if he's looking for 15 million go find yeah. somebody else i agree and i'm kind of looking forward to i have a feeling we'll see a lot of robert beal in this game against the rams be nice to see you know because he hasn't really played that much this year can he get on the field can danny gray get on the field i like to see danny like the the Biggest play from Danny Gray's career that I can remember is the friggin' 80 yard touchdown pass from Trey Lance in the preseason. Like, can yeah. I see Danny Gray on the field, please? Uh, there's got to be a reason. My guess is he can't block and he can't whatsoever. see healthy. Well, I mean, that's always part of it. But yeah. the reason why he can't see the field is because if you're a wide receiver who can't block, you won't see the field for Kyle Shanahan. No block, no rock, or no get on the field in this case. A uh, couple super chats I want to get, or just comments I want to get to. Benjamin Bear says, by the way, how many of you will absolutely hate it if we lose to the Rams this weekend, no matter how meaningless it is, when it ends our regular season win streak against the Rams? I'm kind of like 
so I have this fear with the Rams because yeah, they've beaten them nine straight times and it's like, you know, eventually that's going to end. And so I'm kind of like, maybe have it end in the regular season in this meaningless game. And then I don't know. I wouldn't be that upset if they, if they lost in week 18. Would I be super upset? No. Do I care somewhat? Yeah, I do. Uh, to me, 13 and four sounds a lot better than 12 and five. And I care about legacy at this point because that's what they're playing for. And I think 13 and four winning the Super Bowl sounds a lot different than 12 and five and going on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you got to win the Super Bowl. Like, I'll worry well, about I, I know that. But yeah. at this point, all that matters is winning the Super Bowl. And so I look at it as I care about now we're talking legacy. The playoffs are assured they're the one seed. Legacy is what you start looking at. And the legacy of a 13 and 4 team compared to a 12 and 5 team, I think, is would be considerably different when team when you're looking back 10 years. Oh, yeah, that Niners team won, but they were only 12 and 5, and there'll be five other teams in the last decade that had a better record. Strawberry Reacts says if Sam Darnold goes out and cooks, are there going to be people pushing for a quarterback controversy? Mm -hmm. Only Grant Cohn would be my answer to that because uh, <laughs> I think he absolutely would be. Um, and then I want to get to this comment going back to the quarterback discussion we had at the start of the show with Brock Purdy and him sitting out this week. Marcus Patterson says people forget that Brock got knocked out of back-to-back -back games recently. He came back, but it's not just the elbow. The Niners aren't dumb. There's a reason he's not playing. I did think of that, Levin, because remember, Brock talked about going into the bye week, how he was going to just use it to refresh and give his arm a little break. And he's since said that his arm feels a hundred percent great, like came out of the bye week and responded. Well, you know, maybe part of it is the Niners thinking your elbow did have surgery this off season. You have thrown the ball, you know, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you had two weeks off from throwing and not totally off. Cause he's going to still practice and stuff, but you know, they're, they're lightening the load significantly. Him not playing is, to me, 100% PTSD cautioning is no interest of going into the playoffs and, and having to play a backup and not having Brock Purdy. He has no interest in a quarterback injury costing him what could have been another Super Bowl year. I will say the last time Kyle Shanahan had one quarterback start every game, the last two times he's gone to the Super Bowl. He did it with Matt Ryan. He did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know what you want to do with this year because technically Brock could have started this week. He's not going to play. So I guess whatever happens, you can still make that argument, I guess. But I think Kyle thinks last year that the only way they lose is if their quarterbacks get hurt and all of their quarterbacks. So you're right. Maybe he was just like, forget it. He's like, if I go down this year, I go down, but I ain't going down because I get my quarterback hurt in the last meaningless, stupid game of the regular right. season. Right. He would rather risk rust for a first half costing them a victory then risk Brock Purdy getting hurt. Yep, I think you're right. And I, like I said, I'm not, the whole topic of this video was not meant to criticize Kyle Shanahan at all. It was just because I heard Steve Young talk. Never, about, baby Grant. Oh, God. Don't even do that. You heard me and Grant yesterday. We were going back and forth on some stuff. <laughs> did you actually, I don't know, did you, did you listen to the show? I did not get a chance to listen this week. Of course, because you don't really care. I listen most weeks, but if I'm off, I don't tend to get it listened to because I got a three-year-old. I can't sit there listening to a podcast. I've got a three-year-old and a nine-year-old, and I listen to a ton of podcasts. This is your job. It's not mine. Listening to podcasts is not my job. Make sure it is. Being knowledgeable, like this is, you do this every week. You got to know what's going on, or every day of the week, I mean. 
You got to know what's going on. I can afford to miss a podcast or two and just read the news. Because I can read the news around my kid, and that's what I tend to do. You don't know what's going on, and I do. That's what I just heard. You really want to go there on this show? When we spent 20 minutes of this show arguing about a statistic that you had backwards? I was right. It was the ESPN's weird grouping that was wrong. Let's be honest. You should have had some thought in your brain. There's no way there's 79 quarterbacks that have more sack yards and made you question the statistic. Because the moment you said the statistic, I went, there's no way that's accurate. It's not my fault ESPN has them numbered and then the numbering system is backwards. Why don't they put their system up so that when you can click the stat and look at the number, that's the real number. Be a little more skeptical. I am skeptical of just about everything, except I didn't realize I had to be skeptical of numbering. My bad. You worked for ESPN. You should know to be skeptical of them. (laughs) I still work for ESPN (laughs) from time to time. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. We greatly appreciate it. Like and subscribe to the channel, please. If you hit the little bell, you'll get notified every single time we go live, which is every single weekday for you. Plus, listen to us Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific time for the Gold Standard Network Hour on 95.7 The Game. You'll hear me, you'll hear Levin, and you get to hear Mimosa Michelle this week also. So special little uh, trifecta for you there. We greatly appreciate it. And, of course, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Network podcast channel as well. Levin, this is the last show we're going to do together with me as a 38-year-old. The next time I talk to you will be my birthday. I will be 39 years old. Yeah, and you'll be officially older than me once again. Good. Older, wiser, better looking. All of those things will be true. Today and we want to be wrong on everything today. Uh, All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.